John Gerica on SAFM. John in for Zangezo on SAFM Viewpoint. Welcome to the program. Today's Tuesday Takeover host, Dr. Trevor Nguane, is in studio. Doc, thanks very much for coming in. Why did you choose that freshly ground? Well, uh, later, you know, we'll be discussing about the Zimbabwe exemption permit. So I thought maybe it's a... to set the scene for what I'm going to be saying, because I think that Zimbabweans are Africans, and, you know, Bob Mali says, we as Africans must unite. You too, John, you're an African. Of course, yes. <laughs> Some Twitter people would disagree with me, but I ignore those ones. Uh, all right, who is Dr. Tremangwane? Well, uh, you know, my buddies, we like calling ourselves scholar activists. Mm. So, you know, we... We like reading books, writing, but also we want to do it in such a way that we help to push the struggle for social justice. Yeah. So we write about, you know, people's problems with electricity, with water, Mm. things like that. Uh, Let's go back a little bit. I love this, that you started the Wits Workers School. What was that? It's such an interesting initiative. Oh, I didn't expect that, John, but that's <laughs> one of my proudest moments, yeah. actually. I was working at Vets University, and then I realized halfway that, hey, I'm teaching the wrong class. The people who really need education are the workers who are cleaning the whiteboards and cleaning the floors. You know, because me, I'm a socialist, so my class is the working class. So we decided to open a worker school. The spirit was, you know, if you work at a bakery, you should eat bread. So if you work at a university, you should get education. Was that successful? Did you Are there stories that you can tell of, of somebody who, who worked their way up? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I remember one guy, Banat. I can't remember his, uh, his surname, but uh, he was a cleaner. Mm. And then he ended up getting his BA degree. Excellent. So that was amazing. Lovely. Yeah. But I'm sure he was already doing his grade 10 or 11 right. when he joined the school. Uh, you, went into <coughs> po- you went into politics. For a little while, what was that like? Well, uh, what happened is that uh, because I was always uh, active on the ground in community work, Mm. in the civics, so when the ANC was unbanned, we all joined the ANC. And then when the time came to elect the first democratic councillors, the local people in Pimville, Zone 5 and 7, they felt I should stand. So I became a ward councillor, mm-hmm. 1995 to 1990 to 2000, actually. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? <clears throat> oh, yeah, I enjoyed it, you know, uh, because remember, I was already on a roll with the civics. Right. I was meeting, I had about, okay, so this is amazing. I had about three, four, five meetings a week. Yeah. And, you know, I was much younger and I believed in it. It was a mission. And then I had to do being a counselor. Although halfway it turned a bit sour because suddenly the ANC started privatizing and then I had a, a problem with them. So when I ended my last term, my last year, I was an independent mm. because mm. I had been kicked out of the ANC. Okay, just explain <clears throat> as a politician, because a lot of politicians, stars in their eyes, they're going to go and help the, their community. Uh, when When... When the big part, when the big leaders that have made these decisions works its way down to you as a as a councillor, do you feel that immediately, or and and how strong a person do you have to be to disagree with that? You have to be very very strong. Moreover, because at that time, 
I realize that my fellow NC comrades, I'm sorry to say, with all due respect, are cowards. So people in the caucus meeting, mm. you mm. know, no one would be supporting me. But when you come out of into the passage, you are correct, comrade. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was just the situation. Right. Yeah, although I must say, at first, it was more democratic. But then it started to change. So within four years... You know, it was almost the opposite. I'm sure now it's worse. Yeah, it's just top down. <laughs> top down. That's it's the way it is. And and you kinda have to toe the line, otherwise you get you get kicked out quite quickly. And it's not just the ANC, other political bodies do the same thing. That's the that's the pity of it. Mm. So the ANC, the leading party in the national liberation movement, has actually misled everyone. So everyone thinks it's fine to be top down, to be leader centric, to be state centric. They have really done uh, this country, you know, uh, a, a great disservice. So, w- what should it should be the people who are talking to the councillors, who are working their way up, and telling the leaders what they want, right? John, when we started, I remember clearly. You know, we're under Shikega, Sitelo Shikega. He was the provincial MEC for local government. He had a competition: who is the ward councillor with the best? So. We had something called the participatory budget process, mm-hmm. something like Brazil, you know, Porto Alegre. So you had to go and get the people's views and then take those views, turn them into a budget. So that was how it started. And then my ward, it was Ward uh, 2 in Pimville, won the prize for the best participatory budget. Unfortunately, that's why we fought. Halfway through the implementation of that budget, mm. actually, John, that's why... Almost all of Soweto is is paved. It's got because that's what we agreed upon right. as councillors. We want all the roads paved because everyone was saying that. Can you see? But halfway they said the money has run out. We are tearing up these uh, these budgets. From now it's going to be top down. And then the next step was privatization, mm. commercialization. Uh, you you don't like that privatization of uh, privatization of everything because i see it says your public services in particular yes it's public services so public services are public goods like water electricity healthcare, education roads mm-hmm. so everyone must have access to that you don't have to be rich or poor to walk down a road but what is happening is that if you privatize a road that's why that, that Big brouhaha about the Gauteng Etolls. Can you see? Because now, if you don't have money, you can't move around with your car. So that is why we are opposed to privatization from that point of view of public services. Uh, we're going to take a quick ad break. Dr. Trevin Guanet, introduce why your next guest is coming in and what you're going to be talking about. The Viewpoint on SAFM. Good evening to the SAFM. SAFM community, how's your evening? Thank you for joining this conversation. My name is Trevor Nguane. I'm your host for the next half an hour. I'm very grateful to SAFM for this opportunity to be speaking here. I hope I don't mess up a lot. Uh, I'll do my best to make this an interesting conversation. This evening, uh, we're talking about the Zimbabwean uh, exemption permit, a very touchy subject. The decision by the Department of Home Affairs to scrap the Zimbabwe exemption permit, a permit which has been around since 2009, 14 years, is now to scrap it. This will affect 
178,000 people. These are Zimbabweans who are legally in the country, some of them for as long as 20 years. So today to discuss this issue, which I think is a tragedy, like why is it happening? Why this cruelty? What can be done? I have uh, uh, Miss Lydia Moyo, who is uh, a candidate uh, PhD student at UJ, who conducted research into this issue. So uh, she'll be telling us more about what's going on with the ZEP, the Zimbabwean Exemption Permit. You can also join the conversation by calling us at 86 2032 and tell us uh, what you think. You can also send your voice notes on our WhatsApp line 061-410-4107. Please remember to keep your voice notes under one minute. So now let's uh, talk to uh, Lydia Moyo. Welcome, Lydia. Uh, thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm good. And you? Oh, fine. So just tell us, Lydia, you know, what you do in your daily life, just briefly, so that uh, the listeners can understand who they are listening to. Uh, as a PhD candidate, what I do every day is write my PhD. Other than that, I'm also doing peace jobs here and there with the university under Dr. Trevangwane in the center CSRP. So what uh, subject are you doing and what is your topic on? Uh, I'm doing my PhD in sociology. I'm looking at the integration experiences of the Zimbabwean vendor migrants who are residing here in South Africa in Pretoria. Oh, I was surprised the other day. I found out that Lydia, you are actually you actually speak vendor. Are the vendor speaking people in Zimbabwe? <laughs> yes, they are vendor speaking people in Zimbabwe. How is that possible? It's possible because Baybridge, where I come from, is a border town which is between South Africa and Zimbabwe. So when we go back to we we follow history a bit, we find that uh, vendor people were once are residing in Toyando and due to wars and other things, some they ended up flooding and going to Zimbabwe. Just talk a little bit of vendor, like, hello, how are you, Trevor, and things like that. <laughs> Okay, thank you, Lydia. So, uh, the reason you are here, you are going to tell us more about this research project, which I believe we have finished, where you conducted some interviews with Zimbabwean exemption permit holders. Just tell us, you know, what was the research about? What were you trying to achieve? Okay, thank you. Uh, the purpose of the research was to find out about the Zimbabwean exemption permit holders' experiences and their perceptions of the permit and the government's announcements to scrap it. This research was aiming to contribute to academic knowledge and to social justice since there were so a lot of social injustices that was going on or that is still going on. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh you know, who were your research participants? Uh, we were interviewing uh, the permit holders, uh, irregardless of the sector where they were working, but we were just interviewing all the Zimbabwean permit holders, Zimbabwe exemption permit, the ZEP holders, those who were given permits right from uh, 2000 and until present day. 
So how long have these people been in South Africa and what kind of jobs do they do or do they do? Some of them, they've been here for a very long time because if you can remember, there were people who were issued with IDs when Mandela came out and then there were people who were issued with asylum. So these people were... It was actually different categories. All these things were scraped when people were asked to come and apply for the permit. So these were the people that we were interviewing. Uh, it was actually a lot of sectors. Some some were teachers, some were domestic workers, some were Uber drivers, some were truck drivers, some are, yeah, they were different. Some were students, PhD candidates, and a whole lot of people. So but it was... Ordinary people. Yes, it was yeah. ordinary but, people. But if you talk about teachers, it makes me think, you know, because a teacher is good for society, is helping to shape young minds. So maybe it's, you know, it's worthy to ask, what contribution uh, are these Zimbabwean exemption permit holders, you know, giving to South Africa? Uh, these people, they are contributing a lot. They are contributing economically. They are contributing through paying taxes because they are not only getting paid just like that. Some of them, they're actually employed in formal jobs, so they get taxed. So they are also contributing to the country economically. They are contributing to the country socially through what they are doing. Because if you are a teacher, it's not like you are just taking, but you are also giving back to the society. You are giving back uh, to the kids that you are teaching or to the uh, students that you are lecturing. So it's a lot. It's not just uh, only taking, but they are also giving back. There are also people like domestic workers. They've created bonds with the people that they are looking after. It might be children, it might be the elderly. So they are not only taking, they are giving back. They are contributing in many ways. Are you suggesting that perhaps when we kick these Zambians out, some of us South Africans might suffer? Yes, there's a whole lot of gaps that are going to be created. Uh, if you can ask yourself how many private schools, if I can say, not only private, how many public schools have hired Zimbabwean teachers? There are a lot. There are numerous out there. So what is going to happen if they decide to say, okay, thousands of teachers, we are kicking you out today. Who is going to replace them like in a blink of an eye? The domestic workers, they've created bonds. Some of them, they even say they've worked for certain families for <coughs> like 10 years, 20 years. So who is going to replace uh, such gaps? There are a lot of people who are, who are actually doing a lot uh, in whatever that jobs that they are doing. So if you kick them out in a blink of an eye, who is going to replace them? It really sounds like a, a tragedy a disaster in the making. So, uh, good listener, that's the story of the Zimbabwean exemption permit uh, from uh, Lydia Moyo, who will soon, after passing her PhD, become Dr. Moyo. <laughs> uh, I think now we've got uh, someone else who you worked with in the, re in the research, uh, Miss Claire Seruti, on the line. So, Claire Seruti, are you there? Hi, doctor. How are you? Fine, thank you, Claire. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I thought maybe, you know, rather than just put uh, Lydia on the spot, let me get someone else who worked on this project. So just tell us a bit about yourself, Claire, and then tell us uh, what was your involvement in this research. Sure. So um, I'm Claire. I'm um, uh, just finished an author doctorate, um, and 
what I did was to compile the interviews into a report um, for uh, from the the research on the the withdrawal of the JDPs. Um, and I must say that the the thing that really stood out for me looking at those um, at those interviews was the huge social cost uh, to people's lives and to stability, um, both here and in in Zimbabwe, of uh, withdrawing this permit um, in such an unreasonable um, and uh, uh, a, a way that's creating a lot of precariousness for people. You know that it's going to be school kids schooling disrupted. Um, people have made families here that are going to be broken up if if people are forced to return. Um, there's a huge uncertainty of people really not not knowing uh, what are the conditions for getting a waiver uh, on on the the permit. Um, and there's already a huge prejudice against people who were ZDP holders um, in in things such as having their bank accounts closed uh, because the ZDP cancellation is coming. So ahead of time, um, people are already being uh, uh, disadvantaged uh, by uh, this withdrawal. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Clay. I've known you for, I don't know, 20, 30 years as a socialist. So maybe I can pose a political question to you. What is the politics sure. behind the scrapping of the ZEP now, in your opinion? Well, it does make me wonder what goes on um, in the minds of, of our politicians sometimes, because... Um, you know, when when I look at the the things like what Lydia said about the length of time that people have stayed, um, and the fact that actually the the permits prevent people from taking uh, permanent residence or citizenship, so people who've lived here three times the length of time needed <laughs> um, to get permanent residence are not able to take it because they were offered this um, the the ZDP. Um, and I, you know, I think I think often what is going on is um, trying to make smoke and mirrors to distract us from some of the pressing problems in the country. You know that um, instead of looking at why ESCOM is constantly in crisis, we are asked to look at um, not a very large number really uh, of people who came to this uh, to to this place because conditions uh, where they were living had become unbearable. Um, so I sometimes wonder about that kind of politics going on, as well as whatever um, secret diplomacy is going on um, amongst leaders of, uh, of, of neighboring countries. Um, so that's my off-the-cuff thoughts mm-hmm. about some of the politics behind it. Yeah, uh, keep on, on the line, uh, Claire. We'll come back to you because... Uh, I believe that we've got a call on the line, but let me invite other listeners. You can call us on 086-000-2032 or send a WhatsApp a voice note 0614-104-107. Uh, a call on the line, Nkalanga from Teben. Hello, Nkalanga. Uh, good evening, Dr. Sangwane, your guests and the listeners. Thank you, Nkalanga. Tell us what's on your mind. 
Dr. Sangwane, your political views and perspectives seem to resonate well with uh, the EFF and uh, the SACT. Are you in any way a member of either of the two? No, no, but I am a socialist, yeah. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Is that all you wanted to know, Nkalanga? Yes, yes, yes. Is that a compliment or you feel being a socialist is kind of, you know, the last thing you'd ever do? Ah, no, it's the way to go. It's the way to go? Yes. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, uh, let me repeat again. Uh, Call us on 086-000-2032. And you can send your voice notes on our WhatsApp line. 0614-104-107. 0614-104-107. We are talking about the Zimbabwean exemption permit, which will be scribed on June 30, and 178,000 Zimbabweans who are legal in South Africa will suddenly find themselves uh, illegal. Yeah, so let's go back to you, Lydia. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm concerned because uh, I heard you talk about families and children. You know, how, how is the scrapping of the Zimbabwe exemption permit going to affect, let's say, the innocent? Okay, this is going to affect them because if you can check their children who are going to school, let me say, for instance, there is a matrix a student who is going to school and they are being told June this year you must go back to Zimbabwe. What is that child going to do in Zimbabwe? Mm. For instance, the, the syllabuses of between the two countries, they're not the same. The subjects that are being studied, they're not the same. Mm. So the future of that child is like wasted in an instant. They are young kids, not only talking about those who are school going. What about those who are attending varsity? You are doing your last year. I don't know which other subject you are doing. And then what are you expected to do when you are told, go back to Zimbabwe June this year? What will happen to your future? How do you continue your studies? What is the the whole purpose behind you studying, actually, if you are just told in the middle of nowhere that uh, you are stopping here, go back to Zimbabwe? Some kids have been born here. Their whole 18 years they've been here. They don't have a life in Zimbabwe. So when you ask them to go back to Zimbabwe, where are they going to go? What are they going to do? What kind of a future do they have? Mm. So according to you, there is no justice in this uh, move to scrap the Zimbabwe exemption permit? No, there is no justice. If only they could have, I don't know, uh, try to reach out to the ZEP holders and maybe try to have a is it a top down or down uh, the other way round approach to ask about their opinions or to just to consult with the relevant stakeholders to say in this situation what can we do mm-hmm. you know maybe it was going to be far much better because life are going to be ruined if they take take such a move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um We've got another caller, uh, Paki from Cape Town. Paki, tell us what you think. Thanks for calling. 
First of all, let me welcome you to entertain us tonight. <laughs> you know, the old men don't laugh. <laughs> You're not entertaining us, but you know what? You have been strategically put um, where you are right now to just take us through this wonderful topic we have in tonight. And also special greetings to our guest, um, Lydia. Hello, Lydia. Hi, how are um, you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, my brother, you know, this is a very interesting topic. Um, I've already sent the voice note, and that voice note is actually pertaining to the comparative uh, move between the this particular um, permit and uh, the LSP, the Lesotho Special Permit one. How, what will be the implications if one is cancelled and those other ones that from Lesotho is not cancelled? But however, the reason why I called really is... Um, I hear Lydia is really, um, you know, giving us more on the results um, as per the uh, research that they have conducted. Now, this research is really telling us about, you know, she has just commented about the implications that this is um, once the permit is cancelled June, um, that, um, that is now the implications that are going to um, um, result thereof. But my question is, um, did this research look way, I mean, back to um, when the Department of Home Affairs started announcing on this, because you must remember there was a court case and um, the, the, the debate was then um, extended. So did your research, Lydia, look at how can we assist this process to go smooth instead of today being told that when people go back to Zimbabwe, where are they going to do? What, where are they going to be? What are they going to do? How are they going to study? You've just done the wonderful um, uh, comparison in terms of education system, like the syllabus this side and the syllabus that side. It's a very sad situation. But did you did your research go into what what can what can be done in order to you know see this process you know running smooth? to a point where at least we are certain that nobody is going to be left as the a victim, um, <coughs> as it seems like it is a direction where we are heading insofar as the discussion tonight is concerned. We've already, I mean, Babungwenya um, has already you know, said something like, um, unfortunately, things that are in the minds of politicians, you know, is this a political thing? Mm-hmm. Or, or is it a social thing, or is it rather an economic thing? Yeah, you know, you know, those are very important questions that we need to to dig, you know, to to dive into, you know, without one, you know, um, risking a point where you're going to be sounding controversial, and whoever is listening out there is going to say, oh, by the way, this is bike. Um, one of the you know xenophobic uh, ones because that, you know nowadays when you're speaking your mind out, you are easily to be labeled. Yeah. Yeah, carry packy. Yeah, I know. Thanks very much for your call. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, Lydia and Claire to answer, but we have another caller from Renpeck, Zeke. So please take note, uh, Lydia and Claire. Zeke, please come. Good evening. Thank you very much. I wanted to say that we owe those Zimbabweans uh, a great debt uh, because uh, our president, Thabo Mbeki, and his ANC associates in the top six, 
they actually uh, brought about uh, the current dispensation in Zimbabwe by uh, encouraging Robert Mugabe to do exactly the, uh, what he did. And, and, and now uh, we owe those people, uh, bec- but it's sad that our own country has gone down the same route because that's what Zimbabwe's plan was all along, not just to do that to Zimbabwe with Mugabe, but to do it to South Africa ourselves. And um, so we owe these people uh, a debt because we helped to destroy their country. And and, and uh, now instead of this, uh, we have invented a subterfuge, a potential, I don't know whether it was intended to, to actually be the opposite of a concession to these immigrants or refugees. It, it, isn't, it doesn't seem to be a concession at all. It seems as if this was a device, a potentially evil device, uh, to make them surrender any rights uh, to occupation in South Africa at all, mm. because they signed those rights away with uh, this temporary uh, uh, permit, uh, the temporary permit, I believe, from what I hear, it's, uh, it says uh, you will, you agree never to uh, acquire permanent residence in this country. That's but, what this agreement says, and and this permit says. And now you can pick these people up and throw them out at your at your mm. uh, uh, leisure whenever you like. Uh, so it was an entrapment, was it? I don't yeah. know. It yeah. se- sounds like it to me, and I don't think we should we should uh, uh, allow our government to do such uh, dirty tricks. The point is that people who live here, and some of them, I believe, have lived there much longer than the major migration that take, took place um, uh, in the past decade. They potentially have even been here much longer. Uh, uh, People acquire internationally, even nations acquire rights Mm. to to occupation of of land and territory. Uh, When they occupy it, eventually it is there's a, a legal term called proscription. Yeah, after staying long enough in a country. Yeah. No, thanks, Zik. Uh, that's an interesting point. In fact, you raised several points, including the amazing one that uh, we helped them destroy the, the country. Well, Mugabe, now we're destroying ours. Let's hear our next caller is Vuiswa from Joburg. Vuiswa, please have your say. Yes, thanks. Thanks to you, Trevor. And you know what? Uh, this is not its not justice, what you guys are doing there. Mm-hmm. There's a danger here of a one-sided story. Yes. If I can tell you, I grew up in exile myself in so many countries. I'm not xenophobic. Mm-hmm. But have you ever conducted a study, as I talk to you now, former NK soldiers, APLA soldiers, PA Azapa soldiers who are going to get hungry? Their children, are, their school, school fees has not been paid. They don't have houses to stay. Right now, as I speak to you, I can give you quite a number of them. There's no study that has been done. So we need to share. If it's jobs, we need to share. If it's whatever, we need to share. Because I'm talking about people are highly educated from London, from Soviet Union. From, they don't have jobs. Some are doctors. They don't have jobs. 
No study like this has been conducted. I feel it because I'm a stranger in my own motherland. Hmm. Yeah, I get you, Vuiso. Well, we're not trying to have a one-sided story, well, and I'm happy that you are... Vic, this Zik guy is a racist, you know? We have to actually share everything that we have. We cannot cry only on Zimbabwe. Zimbabweans are, are, are the only human beings. What about these guys who went, left their studies, went into the bush to fight for this country? Uh-huh. As I speak to you now, they don't have food. Oh. Nothing. They don't have jobs. Okay. As I speak to you right now. Okay, I get you. Yeah, no. Yeah, you're right. Let's uh, have a balanced conversation. But for now, thank you, Vuiso, for your call. Let's go for a quick break and then we'll be back with more comments from our guests and maybe more calls. The Viewpoint on SAFM. We are back on SAFM, the best radio station in the world. We are discussing the Zimbabwe exemption permit with Trevor Nguane, with my guests, uh, Lydia Moyo and Claire Ceruti. Claire, if you are still there, uh, I want you to please uh, answer some of the questions. Maybe that one about, you know, XMK, X Apla uh, soldiers are suffering. Uh, I didn't get exactly what the point was, but I do get the, the drift because yeah, Ruiz was yeah. said we must balance things out and not be one-sided. Mm, so I, I think to to come back to that and also on some of the things that um, I think the caller was Paki uh, was saying. So, so I think the, the first thing that we need to start from um, is to remember that we, we should be thinking about welcoming people here who are fleeing trouble uh, because of a shared humanity um, and that we can't continue to simply judge people by, uh, by a cold calculation about whether that person is economically useful to our country or not, because in fact it is that same cold economic calculating that is making the person a stranger in her own land. Okay, that is the same cold calculation that has excluded so many South Africans from the wealth of the country, which is largely being exported uh, from, especially from mines, uh, rather than being reinvested in creating jobs. Um, so certainly, um, uh, you know, and that's why I say earlier that I wonder sometimes about whether the sudden focus on immigrants, how much it's a, a smokescreen uh, from the failures to deal with inequality of, of our own governments here, right, that, that the, the problem we are facing, what's making us uh, strangers in our own uh, land is actually how uh, uh, how other South Africans, how rich South Africans are treating us, um, you know, and uh, the the inequality that's been deepened instead of in, instead of overcome, um, you know, when when um, uh, when the caller, the previous caller asked, is it an economic thing? You know, I, I think it's important that we we should point out that again to stress that a person's right to come here when their own place becomes unlivable uh, shouldn't depend on whether that person is economically useful, but it actually doesn't make a lot of economic sense uh, to uproot this whole community um, that has actually become part of us, right? It's not, I think we've got to stop thinking about uh, people as them and us, uh, but this is part of us that we're now saying we must uproot and send home um, it's certainly not going to help 
uh, South African citizens, you know, because uh, the, one of the most simple things um, is uh, the fact that a whole lot of um, a whole lot of bulk buying that people were doing here to send uh, goods home to family in Zimbabwe after the crisis. Um, South Africans are going to lose that. Uh, people living here are going to lose the rent and the VAT and the tax uh, that, that that community pays mm. uh, if people are chased away. And uh, I, I think the last thing is also just to, you know, to look at how illogical it is to imagine mm. um, that if we take away the ability of people who've been sending money back to Zimbabwe, um, mm. And we now remove that. What kind? How is it going to intensify the crisis in Zimbabwe? To make matters worse, yeah. And make matters yeah. worse of the things that were driving people to uproot yeah. themselves and come here in the first place. Yeah. Um, sure. No, I'll thanks very much, Claire. And you know, this is radio. Uh, Lydia, can you say one or two things before we wrap up? Uh, uh, I think also just to uh, sort of answer the person who asked that uh, other question, uh, the process of, of this uh, whole thing, I think the, t- the time frame was limited uh, to say, because this scrapping was announced in 2021, to say go back, at least if they could have given people enough time, maybe, I don't know, the same time. Uh, is uh, the time of the permits three to four years to say wrap up your stuff and go. It was going to be much better. Mm. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lydia. Thanks, Claire. Yeah, you've been great guests. Uh, now we are going. Thanks uh, for all the callers. We are now going to the news with Modupe Mahalimele, SAFM, the best radio station. <laughs> 